0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of Pastor Potluck Podcast. And today we're doing an interview. It's a a very special friend of mine. Orlando Dobbin is here with us all the way from Pittsburgh, North Carolina. Hello, Orlando. Hey, Peter. Nice
1: to be here with you.
0: And we've got Court Green, our co-host on the line. Hey, Court.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: And we apologize in advance for any audio quality issues. We are recording this via Zoom. And, uh, you know, every every time we do an episode, we're trying to get uh, better with our tech to make sure this is uh, loud and clear for you. But uh, thanks for bearing with us. But uh, without further ado, uh, I wanted to start off this podcast just by mentioning, you know, that... that um, we're in a, in a in a weird time. And in, in a lot of ways, this podcast has been a, a response to the coronavirus pandemic as a way to reach people and to get out the good news of what's happening um, in, in the community of Canton, but also across North Carolina and around the world. And um, so as we were planning the session today, I thought, you know, who else to talk to? You know, a lot of people are thinking about kids going back to school. Orlando Dobbin works as a uh, guidance counselor in an elementary school. Is that right, Orlando?
1: Yeah, they call us school counselors now. It's not a big deal, but if you want to get cool points and be in the cool crowd with school counselors.
0: School counselors. School counselor, yeah. And just tell us briefly, like, about your school, uh, where it is, kind of describe your setting. And since we're on Zoom, where are you right now?
1: Yeah, so I work at uh, Pittsburgh Elementary School in Pittsburgh, North Carolina. And it is just south of Chapel Hill. It is a K-4 school. So we have kindergarten, well actually pre-K through fourth grade at our school. Work with ages four to about 10. And it's a really neat uh, community. Uh, Pittsburgh Elementary is kind of in the heart of Pittsburgh. So uh, it kind of feels like one of the hubs of the community. It's a, a huge connect, connecting point for different students and families. Whenever there's an event going on in Pittsburgh Elementary, it feels like it's an event for the entire community. And yeah, it's a really wonderful place to live where, um, yeah, the teachers know the families, families know the teachers. We're all just one big happy community family.
0: Well, cool. Well, we want to ask you more about how things are going there at the the school. Um, But we like to start these podcasts off with a little bit of scripture for the week, and today we're looking at – One of the Psalms that's appointed from the lectionary. Cord, I wonder if you would uh, help us out. I think we're going to, what are we going to read? Psalm 19.
2: And let's see, there's 14 verses and you said to do the first. We we all decided to do the first third, but where do we find third?
0: Let's go um, through verse
2: six. All right. Psalm 19, one through six. The heavens are telling the glory of God and the firmament. Thanks for giving me that word. I'm going to start over. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In the heavens He has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom for its wedding, His wedding canopy, and like a strong man, runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them. And nothing is hid from its heat. Thus ends the reading.
0: Thanks be to God. Thanks well, be. so I hadn't thought about this in advance, uh, Orlando. But um, you know, you you have a joy that you carry with you into. Pretty much every space I've seen and 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 known you in, and we we've seen each other and known each other in a few different contexts, and uh, I guess you kind of remind me of this uh, of this sun that uh, runs its course with joy and uh, and uh, brings heat and light into uh, every place that it goes. So, but I'm wondering has that always been the Orlando or where, where did you get that joy? And, and uh, you know, how, how does that, um, how does that sustain you?
1: Yeah. Wow. Can I be on the podcast every week? If you're going to greet me with that, Uh, (laughs) that's amazing. That's great. Thanks, Peter. Um, That's a good question. I really don't know. I think part of it is maybe, um, Yeah, just a natural kind of thing the spirit has gifted me with. I think, you know, a lot of it comes from my parents. I have two amazing parents who created a really safe, welcoming, and loving place to grow up. And I didn't have a lot of experiences that, um, I just had a really happy upbringing happy childhood. And so I think that has helped. My mom also has an incredible smile. I think I inherited my smile from my mom. So that helps um and you know i think i i do have practices that i think help to be aware of and experience joy Um, last year joy was the theme of my my year so i try to be intentional about noticing joy in my life and, and leaning into areas of of my lived experience that would facilitate and help me to experience joy and I think that has, that definitely helped me to, to walk and be a conduit of joy. Um, but honestly, I think mo- a lot of it comes from this mysterious, like giftedness, maybe from, from God, where I am able to be somebody through which his, his, her, their joy can flow through. Um, so it's really a gift. Um,
0: That's awesome. I uh, I do want to ask you about having a theme for the year. That seems pretty cool. But first... I wonder if you would tell us a little bit more, um, like where you grew up, um, where you're from and yeah, what, what, uh, what led you on the path that you're, you're on now?
2: Before you do that, uh, I just want to say for those who cannot see, but who can, uh, only hear us, the man does have an incredible smile. <laughs> so if he got it from his mama, good job, mama.
1: <laughs> Appreciate that court, man. This is amazing. I, wow, I'm going to leave here feeling like a million bucks. Oh, there I go. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I'm sorry, the question was my upbringing?
0: Yeah, where'd you grow up, and what was it like? I, I think I asked Court when we started off this podcast to tell street, us the name of the street that he grew up on.
1: So yeah. if you have
0: the, the name of the street that you grew up on and what that street was like, what memories you have there.
1: Yeah. Grew up on Sterling with Sterlingworth Street. Shout out to all my Sterlingworth Street neighbors. We out here. Um, but I grew up in a small town called Windsor, North Carolina in Bertie T County. Mm-hmm. So it's in the far northeastern part of North Carolina. So pretty much the opposite part of state um, that you're on. And excuse me, it was a, yeah, really small town, predominantly African-American community. Um, And it struggled with a lot of things that I think rural small towns struggle with, with poverty, um, drugs, um, lack of job opportunity, economic opportunity. And I think that definitely shaped a huge um, part of my experience growing up there. My family wasn't, um, both my parents had jobs in the school system. And so our family didn't experience a lot of economic hardship, but we were surrounded by it. So as a result of being surrounded by it, we also um, were affected by it. We were affected by the lack of uh, places to get groceries, and we were affected by some of the violence, and we were affected by um, the lack of opportunities to do things on the weekends. But I think growing up there helped me to be the person that I am. It helped me to... um, you know, understand that um yeah, people who experience economic hardship, um, it, it became more than a number, but it is I have I can have names and, and faces to to that and I think um I don't know, it's just it's just really cool, not cool, but like you realize that everybody is amazing and everybody's made and to use religious language in the image of God. And sometimes life doesn't allow for the image of God that people are creating to really express and show itself. Um, and the people that grew up, I feel like I'm kind of rambling, but the people I grew up with in Bertie County were all amazing and, and and you know. Yeah. Kind of one of those places where every, every adult is your aunt or uncle, you know, and they'll call you out, you know, if you're cutting up on the street um, as if they were your family. Um, cool. So yeah, I am really, I feel really lucky and grateful that I grew up there. It's, um, 252, if you ever meet anybody from that part of the state, they're going to yell, 252. Um is that the area code? Yeah, that's the area code. I don't know if you've ever met anybody from northeastern North Carolina, but that is, that's a thing.
0: A few people, a few people.
1: Yeah, ask them. When you meet them, ask, ask them about the 252, and you'll get a big smile for sure. OK,
0: we're the 828 over here, and one thing that I noticed As you, as you were talking describing, you know, rural life in eastern North Carolina is that there's a lot of similarities, you know, joblessness, uh, drug issues. Um, Clearly, there's some differences too, but uh, certainly the folks who live in Canton, North Carolina can can relate to some of those those rural struggles. Uh, And the folks in the 828 generally so Yeah, definitely. Shout out to the 252. Uh, Much love from the 828. You said that your parents uh, both had jobs in the school system. And I I wonder, have you reflected on, you know, has that their experience and um, did that influence your decision to sort of move in the direction of being a school counselor?
1: I was talking with this, some talking about this with somebody recently. I I can't trace back my desire to be in education to a direct experience with my parents. Mm-hmm. Like um yeah, my dad was a principal and my mom worked in like the board of education and they were stressed and had hard jobs and you know, worked long hours, so there was no part of me seeing them do that that made me want to be in education. But I do think that I'm sure genetically like we I have a predisposition to careers that help others. So I'm sure that was a part of it. Um, Yeah, so I, I, it's hard to trace back to uh, direct influence that my parents had to Mm -hmm. me being in education, but I'm sure that there was, that that there is some type of connection there.
2: Uh, A related question to that is, uh, you mentioned the environment growing up not and you didn't do it negatively and i thought that was excellent but there were negative things included in that that were a part of your environment so what what advice would you give as someone who has broken broken free of that environment and granted you said you weren't really affected by it too bad but what would you give to someone who wished to break free from a similar environment because we have a lot of that here
1: It's a good question um I'll speak to that on two levels. I think, um, you know, for the people who are kind of in that environment trying to break through, and then also the people who are part of that community. I think more than anything, what I realize in in those environments is that the need for people who are trying to break through, so to speak, the need they have for people to come along them, alongside Mm -hmm. them, and support them and um, empower them and equip them to be the person, people that they are because no person can get through a challenging environment on their own. So I think there's a huge responsibility for uh, the community to be on the lookout for those types of people um, who they know are having a tough time and and they they play an active role and play their part in helping those people to, to, to break out, so to speak. And then they also play that part in their role in creating a community that can be conducive to those people being able to break out. And then to the people who, you know, who are young and growing up in a tough environment, I think, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I have any, any real advice that, cause everybody's situation is different. Everybody has, you know, different skills and, and ways that they navigate the world. Uh, so what worked for me might not work for them. Um, but I think my biggest thing is to the community to make sure that we are looking at people through the eyes of Christ and seeing if we see somebody who's struggling, that we don't see them as just, you know, somebody who's doomed to failure, but that we see somebody who has made the image of God and has unlimited potential and that we treat them in such way. And I think that can help to empower people to, to be the best they can be. Um, I feel like that was a little bit of a, that's such a compliment, for me, but uh, but well, yeah, that's 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 what that's what came to mind. Well, that's hey, great.
2: I have to I have to step outside and say hello to somebody that just walked in, um, because I haven't seen her like since COVID started. So I'll be back in like twenty seconds. Keep going, and I'll just jump in.
0: All right, uh, Orlando. So that I've noticed that <laughs> when you when you're talking, you often kind of resort back to saying, you know, everybody. It, everyone's experience is unique. Everyone's made in the image of God. And uh, that's really refreshing. And I think so important as somebody who is in the role that you're in as a school counselor to be able to, you know, n- notice the, the unique qualities of each student that you have in front of you that you're working with. And uh, I just wonder, you know, how, um, how has, how, how has, how have you brought your experience uh, growing up in a rural place, together with now you're working in a rural uh, school district. Together with that uh, ability to see people as they are, uh, how how do those things come together in
1: your current role? Hmm. Yeah, and can I add one one thing to my previous answer? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think. Uh, to respond to Kurt's question, not Kurt, but, uh, Court's question. Yeah. I think one thing I might would say to people who are trying to break through is just believe in your own, uh, capability to, to be special. Um, you know, pe- the people around you can see the image of God in you, all that they want to, the people around you can believe in too, but if you don't, if you don't find a way to believe in it yourself, then, um, yeah, then it's all for not. So just want to add that part. And then, so your question was how those my experiences growing up in rural North Carolina, affect and connect with my current role.
0: Yeah. And, and also, you know, yeah, how does that come together with the way that you have come to, to see people as unique and children of God, as you keep continuing to mention, How how does that come together in your current
2: role?
1: Yeah, Such a great question, uh, Peter. Um, Maybe you should be a counselor as well. (laughs) But. Yeah, how do I say this in a a clear, coherent, concise, concise way? I think I think it just comes from relationships. Really, Peter, I think, you know, I grew up with um, with people who I think the world will consider, you know, a thug or Whatever bad word, but then when you get to know them and you jump on the trampoline with them, you like wrestle with them, you play basketball you you just experience their humanity and their um awesomeness uh, for lack of a better word, and that just really changes you because you know that the the line between good and bad is 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 non-existent you know we're all we're all just really amazing people and and life um and circumstances can, can, can inhibit or allow for the, the, you know, the expression of your awesomeness. And I think that is one of the things that led me to want to be a school counselor was to be able to be a part of the work to help bring out the amazingness, the awesomeness, the, the image of God that's in all of us. Um, and so I, I try to do that at my job every day. I try to. You know, see my students as, as potential, um, you know, just potential amazing people, you know, and try to, to equip them with the social emotional skills and, and knowledge and resources that they need to be the best versions of themselves they can be. And I think it's so important because I think, I think we forget, I don't know if we forget, but um, school just plays such a tremendous um, role in, in the way that people see themselves and see the world. I mean, kids spend so much of their time there. I've talked to so many adults who can trace back to like a negative experience that they had in school that led to them being, uh, that led to a negative behavior manifesting. And and so I think it's so important to have people inside of our schools who are helping people to see themselves as, as beautiful, as awesome. Um, because schools really, really play a huge role in in, in students um, in, in the way they see themselves and in, the, in their in the world and their capacity to change their their world and environment. Um, so yeah, I, I think I answered that question. So like, just being friends with people who I know were amazing, but maybe the world didn't see as amazing, helped me to want to make sure that I do all that I can to um, help people who were like my friends be the best versions of themselves they can be.
2: So, are you saying that we should not generalize and instead get to know people? That is a very novel concept. Uh, I don't know many people that think that way anymore.
1: Mm, Yeah, yeah. Dropping knowledge from the 252 on you. (laughs) So, Court, um, I don't have children, and I
0: know you do, and, uh, and, you know, one of the things that Orlando just mentioned is that um, it comes down to relationships. Mm-hmm. And we're in a time right now where relationships generally are getting strained uh, because of the current corona- ongoing coronavirus pandemic. So, you know, the relationships that Orlando talked about between teachers and families, between teachers and students, between parents and teachers, and then in the home as well, between parents and students and, you know, how this, uh, you know, the distance learning and things is like, putting a lot of pressure on all these relationships court. How have you seen that play out in your own experience? And you know, what, um, what are you hoping for as far as, you know, the school's, uh, handling of this, uh, this crisis?
2: Uh, me as a parent. Okay. So it's a little complicated. We, me and Christy, the wife to whom I am married, decided to take him out of the school system until they go back and it seems like they're going to stay back mm-hmm. because the key thing for parents to know is how their child learns and ours will not be able to handle the inconsistency of we're in school we're out of school we're in school we're out of school, we're out of school. and, and, and I'm, i hope that that doesn't happen so our school system goes back monday i was going to ask you if yours were back yet orlando but we'll get back to get to that um but I hope of course that they go back Monday and they stay and they have a great year. And if that happens, we'll, as soon as we think that they're going to be able to stay in school, we're sending him back. But we did talk to him about it and um, he didn't really have a choice, but we wanted to know what he thought. And so I was surprised how quickly he said, I said, Gideon, do you want to keep going to school with mommy or do you want to go uh, to back to Meadowbrook, Meadowbrook? He immediately said, which Orlando, that's the name of the school that he goes to. Um, he immediately said Meadowbrook. And I don't think that Christy was offended. Um, she would love for him to go back to Meadowbrook as well. You know, I'm, I'm sitting in my office. I get to come here every day. She has an office at home, but for half the day, she's a teacher. And then the other half of the day, she's works for the job she works for. And so she would love... To be able to give up one of those roles. But we just, you gotta know your own kid. And we know that he couldn't deal with the inconsistency if there's a big outbreak. And this came from watching what happened with like NC State and UNCC, or not UNCC, but UNC. Uh, They went back and immediately, it wasn't immediately, but soon thereafter, there was a big outbreak and then they were all going home again. Well, they're college kids, they can adjust probably better than someone who's just starting out and building that foundation. So to answer your your question that I think was more general, what do I hope happens? Well, imagining that he was going back Monday or for whenever he does go back, my hope is that they can have some sort of consistency because you said, I have children. No, I have child. And so if you got three or four kids in your family then you can still work on relationships, you know, beat each other up and work out your differences and what, things that kids do. It's natural in building in, in teaching them how to relate to other people. Mm. But Gideon didn't have that. So he's, yeah. he's a seven-year-old that's in a house with two dogs and two adults. And he, he does really well at relating to the dogs and he does his best to relate to adults. But he, he needs to be around children. And yeah. so I, I really want that for him. Um, and so I hope that they can have some sort of consistency so that, and I don't expect that the world's ever going to go quote unquote back to normal, but I hope that he can, of course, get educated. But, and I hate to say this, but I think in his case, more importantly, be able to socialize and, and, and recover some sense of the world as it can be, as opposed to the world on hold. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm hoping for, for him. Uh, Some, some kids may never want to go to school. I I have no idea, but, and maybe you, maybe you do Orlando. I have no idea, but um, I I think if, if it was me and I was seven now, and this was going on, I had a brother and I would be perfectly fine doing distance learning for the whole year, Mm -hmm. but to not have any other kids to play with or to fight with or to whatever that's got to be terrible. And so I, I, I never show it to him cause I got to maintain that, that in control facade, but I, I do feel for him and for many other kids who are in the same situation. So consistency to answer your question in a much more shorter, short way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, so Orlando, I want to ask you about this too, cause I I'm, I'm sure you inter- interact with uh, you know, m- many teachers, many students, families, where have you seen strain on relationships, but also I think what court brings up is that, you know, it, there's also this strain on the, our, the kids' mental health too with, um, you know, being isolated from their friends. Uh, and so what have you seen? And I guess what, what position is Pittsburgh in right now? And what, what, are, what are y'all doing to address those kind of things?
1: question um i think court brings up a good point i think a lot of it is so different (laughs) depending on the student the child the family Um, and i've noticed a range of experiences i've noticed i've met kids who are like man this is great i like on zoom for an hour or so and then i get to jump on my trampoline and then i and, and that, you know, like you were saying, they have siblings that they can play with. They're, they're in a neighborhood and, you know, they're just living the dream. And then there are some students who uh, are not as fortunate. maybe they don't have any siblings or maybe they live in a, a home that doesn't feel um, like a safe place to be uh, emotionally or physically. Um, so I think the the experience ranges depending on the family. But some common strains that I've noticed are, um, I mean I meet so many kids who miss their friends you know um I've I've had multiple kids say something to the effect of I didn't realize how much I like school you know like they and I you know I think they miss the learning but I think more than anything they miss being in the classroom with their friends because right now Chatham County is all virtual and I'll talk a little bit more about where we're at but you know it's just you're limited in how much you can build a relationship with somebody when you're on a zoom call with 20 other Um, students so I think they miss their friends they miss having people to play with I think there has definitely been strain um, for for families and parents who are trying to navigate working from home and trying to support their child um, on zoom call because I work at elementary school setting so if you have an older kid they can kind of do their own thing but if you have a first second kindergartner you know you're gonna you have to be a lot of you have to be hands-on and and helping them yeah yeah um or strain with the uh, um, parents who uh, may not have a job instead of so trying to figure out how we're going to pay the bills and put food on the table and also take care of this kid's education um what are some other strains I think like you were saying court there's been so many changes um mm-hmm. and I think that's been stressful too because I think you get into a rhythm with thinking okay it's going to be all virtual and then they change it up to we're going all back in and then like you said it could go back to virtual so like the lack of being able to really have control uh, i think has been really stressful and been a strain Here um, a
2: let's uh let's turn the tables on peter who has asked all the questions today yeah. okay. uh, peter you're a newlywed mm-hmm. <laughs> you got married during this but is is it been stressful in that regard or because you're both young adults it doesn't matter to y'all you're just flipping your life
0: yeah. it's certainly been stressful um for us in 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 ways that we either expected or didn't expect um yeah of course we had to change our, our wedding plans um there was there was some crying involved in letting go of what we you know our expectations it ended up being a beautiful service with a very small group of people. Um, Orlando actually made it out for the service, which was awesome. Um, and and it was good to, to have him there and just a few friends just to support us, you know. But uh, you know, in the in the COVID period, I've noticed, you know, and uh, just personally and as a couple, we've had to find ways to grieve are missed opportunities for socialization for ourselves. You know, Emily's really big into um, dancing, into uh, contra dancing, blues dancing. We used to go out, I used to go with her at least once a month, she would go every week. And that's just totally off the table now because you're close contact, you're breathing on each other. I mean, you just can't, you just can't do it. So there's, a, there's such a loss in that community. I had this canoe trip that I had planned for a year, had to cancel that. Um, and, you know, activity by activity, it's like, okay, I can deal with this. But then over time, eventually, it kind of stacks up. And all of a sudden, I find myself like angry or sad or just depressed. And I can't figure out why. And I realize, you know, I'm still grieving the loss of the way things were. And I think we all are facing that to some extent and in different ways. Um, I haven't been as active. I've been eating more. You know, I've, <laughs> I've been gaining a little weight. Um, and it's been hard to, to make new friends in this place. Um, so all of those things have, you know, put stress uh, even on us as a couple without children. So I can totally, you know, see how having a child at home would would be an additional, um, at least source
2: for, uh, for stress. Well, it is a source for stress, but it's also a source for distraction, which yeah. is good. And mm-hmm. so there, there's that, but, yeah. uh, some from Psalm 19 that I'll offer to you folks is, you know, when you get in, if, if you're not like Orlando and you're just naturally amazing and just find joy with the world, cause I'm not, uh, I gotta work at it, but, It's in times like that where you really need to realize that the entire earth speaks of God's goodness, Mm. and that the entire earth testifies to uh, what God is and and the 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 splendor of God, Mm. and it'll remind you that even when things are a little bit sucky, then um, we're okay, and even when we're not okay, there there's something that is okay. And the, I mean, you know, the leaves are about to change here. Pittsburgh don't have that. Um, and I mean, they got it, but not the views we got. Anyway, uh, you, you can find some beauty in the world, uh, even if you're not naturally bent to it like Orlando is. If, if you're, in fact, if you're naturally opposed to it, like I tend to be, you can find some beauty in the world because God has given us that gift.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think that's what um, stood out for me from Psalm 19 as well, that first verse that the, heaven, the heavens are telling the glory of God. And mm-hmm. there have been so many moments where I've looked at the beautiful views we have in Pittsburgh and uh, yeah, just soaked in the, um, yeah, it says it well here. It's like there are no speech, there are no words. And I think there have been many moments where there's no speech, there's no words to describe, but it feels like to just, be um, caught up in the mystery of, of this world that we live in.
2: So you've heard it from a, from a professional when you, when you're getting angry and you're grieving the loss of whatever Peter said of, of the world we used to have, just, there may be no words, but soak in the glory of God. Is
0: that your recommendation, Orlando?
1: Um, yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, I do think that like, you know, both of you mentioned, there's just so much change going on. And I think that the even I think architects have studied this for, you know, neighborhood design that um, large old trees
1: mm-hmm.
0: give us a sense of stability
1: mm-hmm.
0: in the midst of constant change because it's like, well, look at this tree. How long has this tree been here? Mm-hmm. And just being surrounded or putting yourself in a situation where you can just be in the presence of a living being that has just stood in the same place for 80 years you know can have just a it can just have a positive effect on the way we're reflecting on the world I've experienced that in my life um, and you know and honestly it's been a refuge like I, I need to get outside when I feel uh, stressed or upset um, or out of control and uh you know hearing the birds watching the squirrels prepare for winter like they always do those kind of things they can they can be uh, a balm for the soul for sure i'm
2: yeah. glad you brought up the trees because in front of our house mm-hmm. there's this massive maple tree that's been there probably before the house was built i don't know that but but maybe it's, it's huge mm-hmm. and it would have had to been planted when they built the house in 51 or mm-hmm. Maybe even it was already there, but it's, it's giant and it's got this huge canopy. But the thing about it is while, while it's trunk ha- is consistent and you know there might be a new woodpecker hole every now and then, but other than that, it's fairly consistent and it, it's just always there. And it is a reminder and it's, it's stable. Last year, it was red at this time of year. This year it's decided to be yellow. Wow. So even, even in stability, we have to allow for some change. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah
0: amazing orlando
1: it's you're nice on a call with a passage you got all these like drops of wisdom and knowledge this is great
0: well i was just about to talk about that so you're a you're a practitioner uh practitioner rather you're practitioner of of caring for people and in a similar way it's a it's a pastoral role in, in some sense and you know for pastors it's a it's Definitely important that we find a way to make sure that we're being cared for ourselves. And I know that this is something that uh, that you um, take uh, that you that you spend intention time doing, taking care of yourself. What are the things that you have turned to in this period of time uh, during the pandemic that have helped you to sort of uh, calm the waters in your soul, uh, so that you can return to the work that you have uh, before you?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I'd be interested to hear what you what you all do too to keep your souls refreshed. Um, but I think for me, one thing that has been super helpful is meditation. I try to meditate every morning and, and and just one, having like a consistent type of rhythm as much as you can, where you know like every morning I going to do this, whether it's meditation or run or do push-ups or I'm going to... You set an intention every morning. I'm going to sit snooze for five minutes, you know, whatever it is, as long as you have like some type of intention, it can be really helpful to uh, just reset the soul, not reset the soul, but like have some stability. Um, So meditation has been really clutch for me. I think, um, spending time outside like you all have said has been really great. Um, And I'm right now, What's been super fun for me is I've been trying to see all 34 state parks. And it's been really fun just pursuing a a goal and seeing something new kind of on a consistent rhythm. Because it it just refreshes me to see something and see a place that I've never seen before. Um, And so, yeah, those have been some of the things. Being outside, meditation, having some type of consistent rhythm in my life have all been really helpful and then lastly i think um finding ways to 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 be at peace with the things i can't control um yeah
0: yeah
1: how about you uh court well
2: what do i do to get back to base yeah well at the moment my life is absolutely out of control Mm -hmm. and so even though i hadn't planned to it at my wife's uh suggestion I'm going hunting tomorrow, and that's that's what I do. Um, mm-hmm. I think we talked about this one other time, uh, but I, I'll I'll be bow hunting, and I don't care if I get anything or not. It's hunting season. Be out there.
0: It's yeah. bow hunting season has opened up.
2: Is that right? It's, I mean, he is, it, it gun season even way early. There may be gun season there by now, but anyway, it doesn't matter. But I'll, I, I'm going to be out at, out in the woods okay. tomorrow.
1: Right,
2: nice. mm-hmm. Peter
0: yeah i mean i resonate with uh well i don't resonate with hunting it's like i said it's not something i haven't welcome to come with
2: me tomorrow if you want to
0: it's just uh, um appreciate the offer and i will come with you at some point i'm a lefty though so we're gonna have a hard time finding a bow that fits
2: me crossbows are ambidextrous go ahead
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay um yeah i think uh definitely spending time outside is is key and uh, once a week you know we try to go out on sunday afternoon after church and just spend a couple hours just out there exploring and that's so healing for me like you said orlando having uh, a rhythm you know i used to joke about this for my friends and i were millennials so we all experienced a period of joblessness at some point and ha- and and during that period of time eventually all of us you know at different points would come to like the fake schedule period of unemployment where you, we had like a, a phone call or a, <laughs> a, a informational interview at two in the afternoon, but it was like eight thirty, and we already were getting up and like taking a shower, going for a jog, getting dressed. Yeah. Cause it just felt good to have like some kind of a schedule. Yeah. That's been a powerful thing for me. Um, and also like what you said about having an achievable goal, you know, there's th- there's so many things that we can't do right now. So just finding something that's like good for me and something that I can actually work to and accomplish has been important. So for the month of August, I asked a few friends of me to like get in a chat group, friends of mine to get in a chat group. And we all um, tried to work towards the goal of doing 100 hundred ups a day and just would check in with each other about that. And that was kind of fun, you know, it kept, it it was a, it was a distraction, a diversion, but it was also something that was good for us and brought consistency. So, yeah, so I, I definitely resonate with, with all that kind of stuff. I mean, what do you recommend for, uh, for children and for teachers, for students and teachers, uh, in the midst of so much change for how they can, uh, you know, adapt and, and, and manage the stress that comes along with it.
1: Yeah. Did you reach a hundred pushups? I did. Yeah. I was good. My man, that's awesome. Yeah. It that's felt okay. pretty good. That is amazing. Um, did you hear that court? What's that? Peter set a goal in August to be able to do a hundred ups and achieve.
2: Yeah, hey, I did hear that. And I, I was being quiet. Cause I had a goal too. Um, <laughs> I can gotcha. share it now. I'm proud of you for getting there.
0: Just for uh, information, Zoom calls when you can like toggle your video off for like a few seconds and nobody will notice. Like a minute or something, you can you can crank out 20 push-ups and then you can skip back on like it was nothing.
2: Do you ever see uh, on our Wednesday Zoom calls when I when I'm I'll get out of my chair and walk back and I'll be kind of out of breath.
0: Yeah, what are you doing? I was way ahead of um,
2: you. I I try to do before I before. I get home. So like sometime when I get a break during in the in the office, I'll try to do 120.
1: Wow, there you go. Every day. Yeah. You all so. are rock stars, I'm inspired. Um, no, I just, I was
2: getting older and I didn't like the way I looked. So there you go. <laughs> yeah,
1: um, but yeah, your P, your question, Peter, what, do I, what would I recommend to students and, and families, students and teachers, I yeah. think, I think really having a rhythm and having a routine is super helpful. So, if you're, you know, like my school district right now is all virtual, and it's so helpful if you can just say, all right, from seven to eight, we're gonna have breakfast. From eight to nine, that's gonna be a school time. From nine to nine thirty is gonna be a break. This is just an example, but just having some type of rhythm so that you don't know what the day is going to bring to you, but you know during this time, this is what I'm going to be doing. It can be super helpful to our mental health and help us to just settle into the day. So having a schedule routine, I think, is really helpful. Structure, uh, structure, yes, yeah, structure. Um, I think you know some practices. That I think uh, help me. I think have helped others. Is is having some type of gratitude practice. So it's it's you know there's a lot of things that are happening that um we wish weren't happening but i think it's important to sit down and take time every day to maybe write down just one thing that you're grateful for uh or one positive experience that you had can be really helpful um i i, I love getting outside so i think you know there's a lot of data that says getting outside helps uh, i'm really a big fan of that um and then find the ways to stay connected to others you know whether it's um writing letters um you know writing chalkboard messages you know if you feel comfortable going to a park outside with your friends just finding ways to connect with others because i do think being socially connected to others is so important for our mental health um so being intentional about that i think is, is really important um yeah so those are things i would say
0: structure or schedule coming up with a gratitude practice, going outside, finding ways to connect with others. That's a good short list. This this, uh, uh, this Sunday, uh, we have several scriptures in the lectionary, and without getting into too much detail, one of them that we didn't read is the Exodus 20 passage, the Ten Commandments. And the angle I'm going with for that is that, you know, uh, Sometimes we just need some structure. Sometimes we just need a list. Like, this is what I need to work to accomplish. You know, just I'm waking up today. This is the stuff I need to focus on so that we don't get overwhelmed by everything else that's going on. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good list to start off with there. Having some kind of structure to our schedule, coming up with a gratitude practice, three, going outside, and four, finding ways to connect to others. Tell me a little bit more about gratitude practices. What do you mean by that? And, you know, what would you recommend for someone who's trying to start one of those?
1: Yeah, I think it's as simple as just thinking about something that you're grateful for. Um, And a gratitude practice can look as formal or informal as you want it to. It could be every day I'm going to sit in my journal and write down, I had a life coach and she would write down 10 things that she was grateful for. It could be as informal of like, being just saying like I'm going to notice and think about something I'm grateful for today. I think it is helpful to be the more intentional about it, the more helpful it can be. Um, so writing it down, um, I think is really a good thing to do. But yeah, I think for me, a graduate practice is just taking time to think about what are the things that have helped me and allowed me to experience something good, something positive, and then thinking about it, you know. Um, because I think it's one thing to write it down, but also spend time to like marinate in the goodness and the good feelings that you feel. Uh, because what it does, it can reorient your, your brain, um, not to um, be dramatic, but it can reorient the way you see the world so that, you know you're gonna have this gratitude practice at the end of the day, where you write down something you're grateful for. So throughout the day, you're looking and you're noticing the things that you're grateful for. And it can just really have a really powerful impact on um, just the way you feel. And that,
2: that's incredible I've never I've never thought about it that way but but it does it makes total sense but it's still fascinating
1: yeah yeah Brain's pretty cool um,
0: yeah I've also heard this is a weird thing but I've also heard that if you put a pencil in your mouth it forces you to smile <laughs> And then Maybe that can, can re that can reorient your brain too, because then you have to smile even when you're sad. I guess so if,
2: can... I see, if I see Peter walking up Academy Street and he's got <laughs> a pencil in his mouth, I know he's having a bad day, he needs a hug.
0: <laughs> yeah, give me a virtual hug though.
2: There you go.
1: Also <laughs> and the, the, the keep on going down this train, laughter is something that really has positive effects on your in your brain and your body. And you don't have to wait until something funny happens to laugh. You can just Laugh and your brain doesn't know the difference between a good laugh or a I mean, a real laugh or fake laugh. So if you just every now and then you just (laughs) Just get get a good laugh in and it can you know, there's some data that says that it can help you to feel better about yourself.
0: There you go. Yeah. And I try to put at least one joke in each sermon, but maybe (laughs) I'll start to bump it up. Help people out. Yeah, well. Orlando uh this has been a really great call um and I'm so glad that you were able to share with us a little bit about who you are what you're doing and some advice just on like how do we how we make it through uh this difficult and ever-changing time together um you know as we close there's just two questions that, that I have left maybe court has some other ones but um I just wonder, you know, where have you seen resilience that you weren't expecting in yourself and the people around you, the, and the students, the uh, teachers, families, and, and also what are you what are you hoping for uh, for the next few months. Uh, as we as we continue to face uncertain times.
1: I've seen so much resilience in our educators. Um, Man, I don't know if people not in schools know the, the weight, the burden that our educators, our teachers have been carrying these last few months, trying to juggle their own families, personal things while also trying to support 20, 30 students in the classroom, having to adjust to a whole new way of doing school. Um, and there have been so many educators and teachers who have been doing it incredibly well and i could not be more grateful and, and proud to be a part of such a hard working profession so i've seen so much resilience in our educators and if if you are working or or if you have a student in a public school or if you've had students in public school before or any type of school yeah please give your teachers your educa- educators a shout out and, and let them know how much you appreciate them because um yeah it's, it's been a rough rough go um and i think my hope is that, um, you know, something that uh, is easy to do um, when we are experiencing tough things is to focus only on ourselves and to think about only what's good for us. But I hope that people will, um, you know, it's important to think about yourself and take care of yourself, kind of like what we are talking about, but also Um, that we will see each other's burdens and bear each other's burdens, so to speak, and and not just think about what's good for us personally, but think about what's good for us communally and collectively and seek to live in ways that um, allow not just ourselves and our families to flourish, but the people around us to flourish and be joyful and happy. Mm. Yeah, that's
0: so good. Thank you. I don't even want to add anything to that. Court, do you have anything?
1: I want to say that
2: um, certainly I was looking forward to meeting you you, and I'm very glad I have. Um, Thank you so much for what you contributed today.
0: And definitely a shout out to our educators, to the teachers in our community. Uh, We love you and we care about you. We're so grateful for your work. Um, So thanks Orlando today for for opening our eyes. Um, And uh, thank you to all you teachers out there and all you educators, all you folks who are working in the schools and in all you parents as well. You are our sunshine. You shine like the sun. You bring us joy and we are grateful for you. That is our gratitude practice today.
1: Amen. Thank all you right. all for having me. I feel really, this is such a joy to be a part of and thank you all for your work that you're doing to, to care for your community.
0: Thanks. That's uh, that's it for pastor potluck for today. And we'll talk to you next week. Peace.
1: See you.